0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce
0: Vegas welcome to another episode of the bird calls I'm your host and contributor to the BirdRights.com, Preston Ellis coming to you live from the Hard Rock Hotel just footsteps away from the Thomas and Mac Center and the NBA Summer League and I'm here recording with our bird call squad Ali Cosell and Kevin Berrios let's start with Kevin because you have been up since 9 a.m yesterday so it's that's been great. like a solid what I mean we're in Las Vegas time so that's got to be close to 40 hours for you I don't, I don't count anymore. Just <laughs> pass um, We should also point out that well, there's a the
2: Hard Rock Cafe
1: arranged a nice. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell and Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary. Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
0: Contact CordellCordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. View few of uh, brooms outside of our window on, on the roof of
2: the neck adjourning building to remind us of the Portland series. Some of our happiest moments.
0: How thoughtful of them okay. to bring us back to those wonderful moments in Game 4 just two months ago when AD and Drew Holiday combined for 88 points. Thank you for that, Las Vegas. We're also joined by our benefactor, uh, the Lord and Commander Editor-in-Chief, Ali Cosell, who's about four feet behind us on the bed with his laptop in his lap. How are you doing, Ali? I'm doing great, man. I, I think
3: this is pretty cool that we're all together in Las Vegas. Um, I get to see, actually, the pro, and he's not sitting in his closet somewhere mysteriously in Orlando. <laughs> and now we get to celebrate about
0: Trayvon Blewett, guys, so let's get to it. I know, pretty much the MVP of the Summer League so far. The Pelicans are 2-0 and in large part because of Trayvon Blewett, or we should call him trevor blew it as the announcer did on eight separate occasions it wasn't until the third quarter that somebody whispered into his ear at the uh, factual name of pronouncing arp i'm doing well pronouncing his name it's going well you guys <laughs> all right it's been a long day we've been up since about 3:30 a.m let's let's go over some of the statistics it was 110 to 94 as ali pointed out a while ago against the miami heat and bam at a bio i got that name right Walt Lemon Jr. had 19, 9, and 7 with four turnovers. He struggled out of the gate, but he settled down as the game went on. Trevon Blewett, of course, our hero, Lord and Savior, 26 on 10 of 14, 6 of 10 from 3. And then, of course, the Pelicans' second-round pick, Tony Carr, 9, 4, and 3. Before we get to Blewett, let's start with Cech Diallo, who, if you look at the raw numbers, 14 9, 5 of 9 from the field, just three turnovers. It looks like he had a pretty solid game. Kevin, what did you see from Cech?
2: Um. Yeah. If you just look at the numbers, that looked like he had a good game. Um. I wouldn't say that he had a terrible game, but I wouldn't say that it was a good game. Um. You want to see more from him, especially being a third year guy. Uh. But you know he's definitely pressing, and I I feel like he looked better in playing actual NBA minutes than he did playing in summer league, which shouldn't be the case. But I think he sort of took on that that role of the self applied role of being the man on this team as the veteran on this team and I think it maybe is having some overthinking or pressing or just um, too jittery out there because um, you know he's not relaxed he doesn't have that same energy that you saw him play with when on those moments when that energy was good he had obviously had some bad energy which we talked about earlier uh, amongst ourselves about early on in the season where he had had to get yanked in three minutes stuff like that he sort of reverted to that form I just wonder if he's overthinking and not just letting the game come to him. Um, you know, he's uh, trying to do too much, I think, and trying to be too impactful. He's a, he's like calling for the ball all the time. He looks like Deion Waiters out there. It's crazy. He's like constantly waving for
3: somebody yeah. to throw him the ball, which is understandable when you're playing with Walt Lemon Jr. as your point <laughs> guy. Yeah, but you know what, Kevin? I thought that he did a lot better than in Game One, oh, where yeah, he yeah. had what was it? I think like seven turnovers and eight personal fouls or something like that. Something you expect out of a rookie. Um as for tonight what do he have? three turnovers and two personal fouls and like you said he got off to a little bit of a slow start He had a couple fumbles that I noticed, but you know what? He didn't try and do too much uh, He didn't really try and go one-on-one where he ended up going up against double teams and it would either result in a bad shot or a Turnover and honestly defensively. I thought he did really well both he and Alexander Cliff Alexander down low is what really I think spurred on the Pelicans um did This big win. I mean, they actually thrashed Miami. You no know, simply because they didn't allow the heat to get anywhere within I say 12 feet of the rim uh, Uncontested so I think check the Owl did what he wanted to and you honestly, I think this is good for him not to shoot and um, Shoot too much and go for like an MVP type of uh, Game simply because that's not gonna be his role ever in the NBA He should try and focus on being that role player who just seeks to score when uh, he's got You know the easy looks when he's like the third or fourth option and just go get your points off offensive rebang, something easy, running the lane, something like
0: that. So I, honestly, I thought this was a big improvement for Diallo. Yeah, uh, three of the takeaways I had from Diallo, obviously he played well, and we're being critical of him because we expect so much from him based on his performance last year. And you just want to see steady progression, a guy in his third year, you want to see him match up well against Bam Adebayo. And I thought that he struggled. Bam Adebayo's physicality really pushed him out of his position uh, pretty much every time he took it to Bam he got away from that silky smooth jumper that we've all fallen in love with uh, that he can take out to about 15 feet. And there were two specific plays that I'm referencing that really troubled me about Cech Diallo. And like Kevin was saying, his his nerves are jitters. The the first one was a rebound, something that I've seen him do in the regular season with Anthony Davis, where he goes up for a rebound so aggressively that he doesn't even keep in mind who is in position to get the rebound with him. Oftentimes it's his own teammate. And you some time see anthony davis get the ball wrestled away from him and give him a, a look like dude what are you doing and today we saw that in full effect with walt lemon where they both went up for the same rebound tackled each other walt lemon fell to the ground the ball bounced away from him. check looked at him in horror because he honestly doesn't even know who's going for the rebound with him and as he's going to collect walt lemon jr matt farrell picks up the ball and dishes it to atabayo for an easy dunk the other one was I can't remember specifically who it was. I want to say it was Walt Lemon, but it might have been Tony Carr. An easy alley-oop to check Diallo under the net. Nobody anywhere around him within five feet, and instead, in midair, he he tries to to laser point the ball to the corner. And throws it wildly out of bounds. There were there were just some instances like that where he looked totally out of control. But like like Ali said, a big improvement today. We just want to see him revert back to the to the check diallo of last year, and hopefully we'll get that opportunity on Monday. Let's push on before we get to Blue, because we're gonna spend a lot of time on him. We've got 13 questions about him. Let's quickly address Tony Carr. I know that Ali uh, missed some he had some highlight reel plays that Kevin and I saw. But Ali, what was your overall impression of Tony Carr today? It's, again, he just kind of, um, it's like a mixed bag because he, he kind of teases
3: you. You'll see a play where he makes an awkward, tough shot, and I compared him to a Jamal Crawford where he drives the lane, and he's not the fastest guy. He's not the most most athletic guy, but somehow his shot, no matter how off-balance, goes in. And so Tony Carr had a couple of those. He had a couple um, nice passes, including one alley-oop, uh, the check Diallo running the lane for easy dunk. Uh, and then you see Tony Carr have, you know, other, other instances, he's coming down the court, right? It, it's a two-on-one break, three-on-two, something like that. And the Pelicans have to peel off and uh, stop the fast break because you know what? Tony Carr kind of mishandles the ball, kind of loses his dribble. So I've seen him too much do that where I'm not sure if it's just, you know, a confidence thing with him playing up against NBA-caliber players. Maybe the coaching staff told him to kind of reel it in because at Penn State he was a volume shooter and scorer. Uh, so we have not seen any of that. He started off a little bit aggressively in this game. I remember him getting, I think, like two or three shots within the first five minutes of the game. But after that, he was really, really quiet. And really, Walter Lemon has um, really dictated all the possessions, which I'm not sure is a good thing, because he's not a natural point guard. He's not going to be asked to come and join the New Orleans Pelicans if they were to look at him as a point guard. So I just would like to see Tony Cards have more possessions, try and instigate uh, the offense, uh, run it some more, get the kids some confidence. And let's see what he can do. So, like I said, there's been flashes of goodness, greatness. Not greatness. I mean, he's not going to be an above-average player goodness. in the league. But, yeah, goodness. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, we just haven't seen enough. I mean, what do you think, Kev? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you
2: said, the alley-oop was nice. Um, there was another possession where he was in the post, and he sort of got trapped and looked like he was going to lose his dribble and uh, have a turnover. And he found he made a nice little nifty pass to find a cutter. For a layup, which is good, he he showed some nice handle ability. Although you know, he also looked like he was going to lose the handle a few times. But like you said, he had some really tough shots that he made. He finished well through contact, bouncing off of contact, really, um, falling to the ground, all that kind of stuff, um, which was fun to watch. I, it's hard because I'd like to see him more with the ball in his hands. Um, but Lemon has sort of grasped that role for I don't know. If it's a coaching staff that has given that to him, or if that's just him, uh, you know, auditioning or whatever, but um, I'd like to see more of of Carr and uh, Blewitt together as a backcourt, you know. Um, and I and I think you know we would have seen that maybe with uh, Frank Jackson, but with the Frank Jackson injury, I think the coaching staff is still trying to figure out what to do with that situation. And I think this game with Blewitt again showing up, which we'll talk about more um, in a little bit. You know, sort of. Maybe we'll see something different on Monday when we see them play. Where we see more of Carr and Blewett, uh, together on the court, which is what, just as a fan, you want to see, just because those are two exciting guys. You know, that's your new prize, and and this undiscovered gem that Ollie knew about and told us about a while ago, but um, that we're all falling in love with.
0: Yeah, and in case you guys haven't heard the news, Frank Jackson will not appear again in the summer league. Two to four weeks, he will be out, as reported by Jim. Eichenhofer with that sprained ankle, and honestly, if we can get Frank Jackson a full and healthy training camp, I think that's all anybody wants at this point. We've seen enough of his explosiveness, and there will be a steady improvement as long as he is getting the touches and the opportunities. In case you guys can't hear in the background, uh, we are very dehydrated. The desert sun beats down on us mercilessly, so Ali is making us some water, and of course nobody likes lukewarm water, so he's pouring some ice into the glasses as well. He's such a considerate human being. Uh, To to continue on with Tony Carr, Kevin uh, mentioned, of course, he had trouble with his dribble, but he collected himself quite nicely um, in in the paint. uh, When he picked up his dribble, he had a nice recovery, and I remember we both noticed it. And there was another instance where I can't remember exactly what happened, but he shifted to the right, went behind his back in such a rapid fashion that his defender totally lost his footing, and he drove into the paint. And as the defender counted towards him, uh, he kicked it out to the corner for a wide-open corner three. So that was another – there were some nice yeah, moments. A There's a nice. lot to build on. And at this point, just quickly, Ali, do you see him as a two-way candidate or where do you see his future this season?
3: You know, he's going to have to elevate his game to, I think, just even be considered for a two-way contract right now. I mean, the Pelicans like to – and we've seen in the past where they take a look at somebody then that ex-player will go overseas, go somewhere else and play, and then they'll bring him back. Uh, because right now, I honestly don't see if maybe Tony Carr's is even worth – Two-way status, as to where you gotta think, it, Trevin Blewett is ahead of him, and we don't know whether Del Demps thinks honestly. Maybe he just needs some more seasoning. That the guy's not ready. He's having a great summer league. But there's enough things that the coaching staff sees as to where they'd rather give him a two-way contract. So suddenly he gets one, and then do you really want to give Tony Carr one of those? And again, we've talked at you know at length how many guards are already on this roster. I mean, I know Frank Jackson, injury prone, and you know, or bad luck, whatever you want to call it. But there's still plenty of other guards. So. It doesn't make sense to take a chance on a guard to fill up a roster spot. Even though it is a two-way contract, it's still a roster spot. So I think he's on the outside looking in, so he's going to have to step up his game, get a little more aggressive, really show what he can do in running the offense and or you know scoring, which is what he was known for coming out of Penn State. We really haven't seen that. Well,
2: that's what I would say. Like The thing that hurts him in that situation is sharing the court so much with Walt Lemon Jr., who has the ball in his hands. Uh, so it's sort of hard to say that I I feel that's why I want to see more of him with Blewett, who Blewett doesn't demand the ball in his hands, you know. So I'd like to see more of uh, of Carr running the offense before we really say anything like that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's possible he's a two way guy, or it's possible he goes over to Europe for a little while, like um, Pierre Jackson did. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he never did come back for us, but he did come back and play uh, in the Sixers organization for a little bit.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to circle back and talk about some of the other contributors tonight. Uh, Cliff Alexander had 15. There were some other guys like DJ Hogg that we want to touch on. But let's, let's get to the main course. Uh, we've, we've pushed it along far enough already. Trevon blew it. Trevon, uh, Trevor blew it. Whatever the announcer, whatever we the want to... The re- Yeah, the announcer <laughs> blew it. Uh, from Xavier, this guy was automatic from three point range. Every time he let it go, we all were just assured that it was going to go in. I think he had two buzzer beaters on the night, at least one today, as well as one yesterday. But let's let's put the three point shooting aside for a moment. Ali, talk about the other parts of Blewett's game that make him such an interesting candidate for the Pelicans' two-way roster spot, or potentially even our regular season roster position.
3: Well, the biggest thing, of course, is the shooting. But you know what? To be a good shooter and to be able to get your shot off in good spots that you like, you have to be able to know how to use screens. You have to be able to know how to get yourself free. And I think he does a great job of that. As we know, the Pelicans are not one of the best teams at setting screens. So for this guy to constantly get his shot off and get good looks, and that's a testament to his uh, intelligence, like I said, on getting in those sweet spots being able to get those free looks. So, Right then and there, that tells you he's a four-year guy out of Xavier. He's a four-year starter in a, in a major conference out, out there with Xavier. And you know what? He, he um, set a lot of records before leaving. He's one of those seasoned guys that seemed to not get the adulation he deserved. I mean, and there's been plenty in the past. Look at Malcolm Brogdon. There's been a lot of great guards that just haven't gotten their due. Simply because of the athleticism. And you know what? It does show. The guy's not a leaper. He's not going to you know blow by a defender because I haven't seen it yet. He'll take a couple of dribbles, and then he'll kick it back out, keep the ball moving. But, you know, it's always a smart pass. He doesn't try anything risky. He, keep, he keeps the offense in a nice flow. And then what I like also is he, he can do a few other things defensively. He does use his body pretty well. Uh, I think he will definitely get over a match by anybody bigger. because He's not fast enough or strong enough to stay in front of him. But then you also got to give him an A-plus for his defensive instincts. In that first game in particular, there was a lot of breakdowns by the Pelicans' defense. And I, I noticed him several times come from the weak side and thwart the uh, shot attempt by the opponent once he even came up with a big block on a big. I can't remember who it was on the Raptors, but it was somebody. And then, of course, his rebounding. You can't overlook that. The Pelicans are not a good rebounding team overall. So seeing that this guy can average about five or six at his position, that's wonderful. But I think, yeah, he offers a lot more press than this shooting, and I really hope that the Pelicans at least get him on a two-way contract. But if he plays like this, I mean, you gotta think good candidate for the end of the bench, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, obviously watching him up close and personal, and just uh, seeing him really stand out on the court with all the, you know, not just on our team, but the entire court. There was nobody on that court that was better than him uh, in that game today. And uh, you know, you know, the Pelicans are a team that doesn't have wings. You know, we have Solomon Hill, who's uh, not performed up to his contract. He maybe was never really healthy last year, so it's hard to say that he hasn't progressed. We'll have to see this year. Then you have Darius Miller, who had moments of greatness alongside Boogie Cousins, but Boogie Cousins is not here anymore. And once Boogie left, he fell back to earth, and he was never really an aggressive guy. Um, And I think with Blewett, you get a guy who's aggressive, but also doesn't need the ball in his hands, which is perfect for what you want in a three, and it's it's An area we still need to address, and it's hard to address because of our situation, without having to give up assets, uh, finding a guy on the cheap that can come in and play. Um, And I mean, right now we have DeAndre Liggins on our roster. I mean, I would easily replace him with Blewett right now. Just I mean, because look, we already seen what Liggins can do. He's a solid defender here and there, but he's not going to give you anything offensively. Not really a needle mover. So. Rolling with an experiment that you know can at least shoot. I mean, if he can shoot open shots, he was shooting contested shots, but if he can shoot open shots, he's going to get a lot of open looks if he gets minutes with starters on our team because, you know, those guys demand uh, attention. And uh, so he's going to be the guy that's left alone. Um, so I think, you know, he has potential to be a guy that, you know, is a maybe not a guy that gets a lot of minutes, but here and there, Spot in there. He's a he's aggressive, and that's one thing we've lacked. We've had Dante Cunningham, who was not aggressive. We have Darius Miller, who's not aggressive. Etwan Moore falls into not being aggressive sometimes offensively. Um, You know he's inconsistent with with his aggressiveness. And uh, I mean, I'm going a lot off of what Ali has told me about his college career because I didn't really watch him. But uh, from what we've seen in these first two games, he looks like a guy who's not scared to take a shot, and that's what we need from those role players that come in to fill those roles. And um, we just haven't really had that guy. And I'm not saying he's going to come in and be a starter or be, you know, a, above average player, but he can get, he can probably give you minutes in this rotation that we have right now because just because it is such a weak position. Um, and maybe he can be one of those surprise guys like a, you know, like a Draymond Green or a, you know um, – Nikola Jokic or, you know, those second-round picks or undrafted guys that come in and, and we're like, how did we miss on these guys?
3: Um, Kevin, here's a comparison for you. Would you say that right now, and I'm not saying that he could step into those shoes, but would you say that he offers a lot more potential and savvy than Darius Miller, something that we hope that he would show, and you're seeing now that a will. Oh, board. yeah.
2: No, I said that today. You know, I think you know, looking at the way he plays, he's way more aggressive and he's not scared and he's not tentative and he moves the ball. He doesn't hold it. Like, a lot of times, like, Darius will get the ball at the three-point line, he'll get chased off of it, and then he'll slowly get to, the, to a mid-range shot, which he should take, and then he'll pass that up and then pass it. And with Blewett, I, I would believe that he would take the shot, either the, the uh, three-point shot or the mid-range shot or move it faster, you know? I think he knows what he's supposed to do with the ball.
0: Yeah, the hype for him is real at this point. We've got a lot of questions about him. Uh, our good buddy Solomon says, Blewett or Frank Jackson, pick one, LOL. And, uh, and then we've got Ooh. some more. Waka, 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 Wakanda. He's going to ask us who gets invited to camp. We'll dive into that in a little bit. Uh, CB asks, can Trevon play small forward? We're going to dive into that as well. Banthi Bavis, hope I said that right, says, bye-bye, Liggins, as Kevin was just prefacing and the the Cairo crown just asked something that Ali was alluding to do you see Blewett making the roster or at least getting a two-way contract uh let's expand on this Ali because you were just addressing that it's it's so difficult to unearth meaningful rotational talent at these summer leagues when they come from unheralded places like Bluett did um out of Xavier uh undrafted it's hard to get those guys and it's even harder to give them the time that they need to develop we've seen Quinn Cook go off to greener pastures. We've seen Seth Curry go off to greener pastures. You spoke with some of the officials after the game, and they were ecstatic about how he's been shooting. Talk a little bit about their reaction to his game, and does it instill confidence in, in you that they're going to give this kid a bigger shot than they've given some of those guys in the past?
3: Yeah, let's start off with what Kevin Hansen said, he's the summer league head coach of the Pelicans. He said at the start of training camp, he wasn't sure what to expect from Trayvon Blewett, but he didn't think that he would be a major integral piece of the rotation. That just shows you right then and there how much he's already exceeded those expectations. But he knows that throughout training camp, and he said, you know what? This kid can shoot. He can do some things." And, uh, you know, I asked him basically flat out, do you think that Blewett's carried over that confidence? And every single person I talked to agreed that he has. But not only that, he's actually had all these skills and all this in his bag, it's just that he never got... For some reason, you know, the the proper props from the rest of the league, whether it's, you know, draft experts or the major national media talking types, uh, nobody really looked his way, you know. So, for whatever reason, the Pelicans got fortunate. Great for that. But, you know what, they're, they're uncovering a gem themselves because everybody's reaction, everybody's raving about the guy, and they're trying to get him the ball more. For instance, Kevin Hansen said today, I changed my offensive philosophy in the second half where we were trying to run more pin downs, more more actions to get him open and for an open, clean look. And you know what? It was very successful because the guy never you know, never missed. He never lost his shot. So I hope that continues. I hope he continues to wow and to kind of cement himself. That's where the Pelicans force Del Demps to um, basically have no choice in the matter. you got to sign him. you got to keep him
0: for something, whether it's a two-way contract or a regular rotation spot. And that brings us to a comment by Jamo. I hope I'm saying that right. Friend of the program. Says something really nice today. Wasn't a big basketball follower two years ago and has steadily been increasing his viewings of Pelicans games more and more and has been a close follower of the bird rights. So big shout out to him. Also Usman Ayaji. I hope I said that right. Says love what I've seen from this guy and from Frank Jackson. Kevin, I want to direct this one to you because you were interacting on Twitter with CB about him playing small forward. Obviously, we have trouble finding depth at the wing position and somebody who can reliably knock down that shot. He's a little bit taller than Etwan Moore. Why would he be a proper fit at the three position?
2: Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, we played Etwan Moore at the small forward spot last year, so saying that a guy who's two inches taller than him can't play it is, you know, we 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 don't have a guy that can play it really. So there's yes, he can he can play it. I mean, why not? Um, he's six foot six. Thirty, he's not like slim, um, but I also say too. I think you know uh, we're talking about um, Frank Jackson and all all of these guys and Elfrid Payton in these additions. You know, we look at Ian Clark coming back, and I think one of the reasons Ian Clark may have come back, and this is purely speculation on my part, is that they've probably tested the trade market right now, and the trade market is dry to add another point guard. Not saying that they're not sold on. Alfred Payton as being a solid contributor, but just that they saw that as an area of, that they needed more depth. They probably explored wing, and the market's just not there right now.
0: As a diehard fan of Thomas Saturanski, how does that make you feel? It hurts me deeply <laughs> because he
2: can play both of those positions and just get the deal done. Bill. come on, yeah. You know, I was we we saw him. He was on the phone today, and he was lucky. We he was saw on him the multiple times. Yeah, because I would have been on him about you would have told him. Anyway. <laughs> Getting back to my point is, I think that they've probably looked at the trade market and they're just not happy with where it is right now. But we all know, as teams start to lose, it gets easier to trade for players like that. Yeah. So that's why I think a guy like Blewett can come in right now at this point. You just replace Liggins with, I mean, just re- you know, put him in Liggins' spot, and you have a guy who can play the wing. He can play. He can play the two. Um, and, you know, give you solid minutes there and you can shoot and he has the skill set. And I just think that that's the kind of moves they have to make right now if the trade market is not where they're at. Instead of, you know, overpaying for something that they can get later on and they have this band-aid ready-made in their, in their camp right now. You can even do it if you don't want to do it as a full roster spot, as a two-way spot where you have them on the roster for now. And then you send them to the uh, G League later once you get that acquisition that you're going for, that you're waiting for the bubble to burst on his value or what the team's asking for.
3: Yeah, one thing I wanted to throw in there real quick is uh, whether he can play small forward is the fact that Etuan Moore came in the league at 192 pounds, six foot four. Now, wow. he's got better reach and wingspan than you expect for a man of that size. But you know what? Trayvon Blewett's coming in the league weighing at 215 pounds. And according to a lot of experts that I've read, he's got a lot of room for improvement to add some weight and strength and I think that's what's key. You've got to realize that if he does happen to make the team defensively, it's probably going to take him at least a couple of years. It almost does every single player that isn't, you know, one of the most gifted athletes out there. You've just got to learn all the moves of all the, uh, your competition. You've got to get quicker. You've, you've just got to learn so many schemes and strategies. So it's going to take him some time there. But, again, I think the potential is there for sure, no doubt, that he could fill in that small forward position down the road. And whether he could become a starter, that's an awfully big step. He wasn't drafted. It's so rare to see a guy come in uh, not drafted in this league and suddenly step in a big minute role. So you got to keep your expectations to a minimum. But again, he's had a great start, and there's potential, I think, room for improvement.
0: Definitely. And Jamo and Will Not Fit are getting carried away, uh, understandably so, after watching this guy ball out for, I think, 50 points in, in two consecutive games combined. And should he continue to play like that, uh, it's going to get a lot of people talking. And Jamo says, what role can we expect – expect Blewett to play in the regular season if they don't sign him they're crazy right and this brings us to another question and and I just want to expand on that really quickly Jamo um we we saw the Pelicans struggle to to put an eight-man unit on the floor in the playoffs they had their starting five and then they had Ian Clark off the bench and then some version of Darius Miller and Solomon Hill the the moment was clearly in my estimation too big for Darius Miller Solomon Hill whether it be to health or just um I don't know, just the the slow progression of coming back from his hamstring injury, just not having that confidence. Whatever it was, those two guys were not as beneficial to the Pelicans as we would have liked them to be. And this is a, a prime position where somebody off the bench who has the confidence to take that shot, that's what the Pelicans need. Uh, but with that being said, let's get back to what we were talking about in just regards the Summer League. Will Not Fit says Kevin How does Blewett compare to our past summer league crushes, and how many threes do you think he would make in the All-Star three-point contest?
2: (laughs) But first, getting back to your first point real quick, is also if you can't trade Alexi Agents' contract, why not just waive him and sign a guy like Blewett and develop some young talent? Yeah, We've all been waiting for the team to develop young talent. So that was a wasted roster spot. Agents is not, even if he's healthy, he's not playing in this offense. So... If you can't move them, wave them. Get a guy that you can maybe groom and experiment with. Now back to the question. Um, I mean, he he's a deadly shooter, man. I think he would be fine in the three point contest. He's a good catch and shooter. He can create his own shot a little bit too. He's not he's not really like a he's not really an on ball player so much. He's more of an off ball guy. He although he can seem to drive and attack some. Um, and then as compared to the other guys, somebody asked me how would you compare him to. Uh, Seth Curry, and I wouldn't compare them. I don't think they're similar players at all because Blewett is a very off-the-ball guy where Seth was more of an on-the-ball guy. And, of course, Blewett is much bigger. Um, he's stronger, um, He's not, but he's not the ball handler that, that Seth is. He doesn't have that game, and he doesn't have that sort of quick quick burst that Seth had also. And then same thing, Quinn Cook is you know an on-the-ball guy. Um, you know more of a point guard uh, more of a maybe a shoot first point guard pull up off the dribble kind of guy But um, you know, that's not his game He's he's more of a runoff screens catch and shoot um, Set up in the corner wait for the ball to come to him swing to
0: him But then, where does he rank like in terms of your personal oh, favorite and my
2: personal favorite? Uh, you know, I think I'm gonna go all-in on on him being my personal favorite already um, And it's just two games in but you know mainly One of the main reasons being that he plays a position that we've been dying for since we had one year of Jamal Mashburn. And the three-point
0: shot is sexy. Yes,
2: that too. But those guys had the... Quinn Cook and Seth had the three-point shot, so it's not just that. It's just the size and the potential that you see of him being able to fill that void that you've been waiting for for so long. Um, You just have not had a guy that can consistently step in and play that three for you that you feel very comfortable with. I mean, Etwan did a, a marvelous job last year, but that's not what he's made to be. Um, so he was playing out of position. He was put in a bad position. 82 games uh, in the regular season and, you know, in the entire playoffs, having to play a role that he's not cut out for and he's still a great player. But um, you just want a guy that can take the reins of that and of course as Ollie said realistically you know that he's not ready to be that yet um but you see the flashes of potential to at least be a guy who could you could get excited about when they put him in the game you're like okay what's going to happen he's a little bit of a wild card he has that potential you know he's going to shoot the ball when he when he's open and you've seen it go in so you know it, it makes your heartbeat fast you know when you see him catch that ball So that's what you want, Um, and so for me, he's number one right now.
0: And another important thing to quantify is that Frank Jackson was supposed to be such an important part of this team and this offense, and him being out didn't affect Blewett at all. Blewett still came out, and he was still aggressive, and he shot just as well as he did yesterday. Ali, I've only been watching the Summer League for the past year, so this will be my second year fully uh, digesting the Pelicans Summer League. In terms of your favorite Summer League performances for the Pelicans, where does he rank?
3: He's probably in the top five. I really like Quinn Cook. He's coming immediately to mind because building on how he finished last season, and he really just was a very steady, almost a standout shooter. He just filled his role perfectly. I thought Quinn Cook was you know, excellent. And it's a shame that the Pelicans weren't able to keep him because as we see, what he's gone on to do with the Golden State Warriors. Granted, he didn't you know, emerge right away, and the Pelicans didn't have time to spend. And we've talked about it before in the pods. I've written about it had to get somebody immediately. That's why they went to Jameer Nelson. That's where Quinn Cook joins the He joined their D-League team, uh, spent at least a couple months trying to learn this system, get better at playing the game, and then he emerged over the final two months. But again, we saw that talent, and that's what I kind of compared to a guy that wasn't expected too much out of. He comes out of nowhere, and he puts on a heck of a performance. And you know, I just feel like his headiness, it's better than like, for instance, we saw some flashes out, say Russ Smith or Whoever else the Pelicans have had that were kind of more flash in the pans in Summer League. Um, and then, of course, you got to compare it to some of the bigger names they've had. And my, my favorite comparison, Preston, we got to talk about it, is what you mentioned on Twitter, and I was thinking about it over the last few days, is Buddy Heal. You know, they kind of have that similar game as to where they score a lot of points. They did so for their college-respected uh, uh, programs. Um, right around, was it, 18, 19, 20 points a game. I know Buddy was a lot higher, but then you look at how many threes they shot a game, about seven. But also what you like to see is that they would grab about five rebounds a game. And they were kind of the same height, same kind of physical specimens as to where they were not above average. They weren't even really considered average athletes, you know. So for Buddy Heal to do what he did, and we all saw we tried to make excuses for it uh, as to where now we're seeing with Blewett, he's just the opposite. He is standing out. I can't remember which one of you guys said it, but literally he's being the best player on the court. A guy that wasn't drafted against now it's three teams in all, the Pelicans, Raptors, and the Heat. He's
0: been the best player, guys. I mean, that's something. That's pretty cool. Um, so we're we're gonna move on from this. It's exciting. It's just two games. We're gonna hope that sorry, get in there, Kevin. One more thing.
2: I'm just gonna say, this'll be my analogy for him, is that if you were playing 2K and you were playing my career mode and you built the player that would eventually become Michael Red, this is the early stages
3: of that player.
0: Okay. Wow. All right. The... Big Shoes. to f- it's, it's just two games. We're, we're obviously uh, hyped up on this desert air. We're very excited about uh, Trevon Blewett, Trevor mm-hmm. Blewett. Um, so we'll we'll get back to you guys on Monday. But before we go on, we've got a couple more questions and then we're going to wrap up uh, talking about some of the other performances like DJ Hogg, Derek Willis. Um, but first, this question is from William C. Smith. It, he says, I've heard all the great things about Randall. But what could go wrong in the offense and defense with him on the court? And before I turn this over to the guys, I just want to say I had a fantastic interview with Krangis. Uh He's a guy that I highly respect, former Division I scout. Uh, now he is deeply into analytics. He's launching his own website as well as writing for Nylon Calculus Informed blue, blue and gold. Our very last podcast, he went into great detail uh, about his strengths and his weaknesses and why Anthony Davis is the perfect counterpart to counter his weaknesses and bring the best out of him. So I highly encourage you to check out that pod. Is there anything you guys want to add to that?
2: Well, I think he's a great addition. I think he's, you know, he's a guy when I would watch him play, I'd be like, man, this guy is a monster, and he's going to hurt somebody because he's flying all around, and he's just a big, buff, strong bull of a guy who is throwing his body around, and Playing with intense effort, but he also moves the ball and he plays smart on off- offense. He defends pretty well. Um, the thing that you worry about, and it's just something that, um, and I don't worry about him being a good fit here. I think he's a good, he's going to be a great player here, and I love our three big man rotation with him and Miritich and Davis. Um, but the thing you have to worry about is lineups a little bit because you look at who's going to be the starting lineup, and if Alfred Payton is your starting point guard, and if Solomon Hill is your starting small forward, then it's to me it's hard for you to start Randall with Davis. I think you need Miritich to start there to give some more shooting. But that's all just depends on who's playing together. And I we've sort of talked privately about this, and and um, I have a hunch. I think that they're going to start through Holiday and Ian Clark if they don't sign someone else, and then that would allow you to play Randall and mm-hmm. possibly. You know, Twan still beats out Solomon Hill um, at the three if Solomon Hill isn't moved, you know, before the season starts. But we'll see. I just think you could get into some situations where you have some poor shooting on the court, um, no spacing, and, um, you know, it hurts your offense, but your defense should be solid regardless. Um, So that's the main thing that you worry about, but that's all about coaching, figuring out personnel groupings, and I think they'll be okay with that.
0: Anything you want to add, Ollie?
3: Yeah, um, real quick, I just want to say, in fr- terms of the starting lineup, um, I actually foresee Alfred Payton starting at each one Moore going back out there, unless they make a trade, unless they bring somebody else in. I think the Pelicans' number one concern is pushing the pace, and you don't want Drew Holiday doing that. You don't want really Anthony Davis doing that. You want a legitimate point guard with floor vision out there doing that. Uh, if we're going to lead the league in pace, you don't want to lead the lead and also in turnovers. And I think the best way to do it is to have a true IQ uh, floor general out there. And Alfred Payton right now is the only one on the roster. So, to me, he and Randall are kind of must-starts. So, you got to look at a small forward position. Unless Solomon Hill comes in and wows everybody, it's not going to happen. But in terms of Randall, yeah, I I'm mean, Preston, it, it, it's just all, you know, we, we it, it's all on paper right now. We we don't know exactly what the fit is going to be, obviously, but everything points to it. And even stats guys like you just mentioned, your friend, Cranjus, um, uh, everybody seems to think that it's really going to work. That you know, I've even heard some people say this is going to be the best threesome amongst uh, big men rotations in the league. So, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about because, you know what, all three of these guys can do a lot of different things and they can play with pace. It's something we couldn't do with DeMarcus Cousins.
0: Yeah, I'm not as smart as some of the guys you're listening to right now and other guys who have referred to Julius Randle and Anthony Davis playing well together. I have no doubt that they will. I just have trouble finding um, a, a lineup consisting of Nikola Meritich, Julius Randle, and Anthony Davis, three of who I believe are the Pelicans' four best players, putting them all on the court at the same time. And and I know that they're going to experiment with it, and they're going to find a fit. Who's the best best fifth guy to complement them? And that's certainly something that we'll keep a close, full eye on as the season goes on, um, and that was a question asked by Cairo Crown. I didn't even have to introduce it, but uh, he was asking if we prefer Alfred or Drew at the one. Obviously, we don't want Drew at the one because he's made such steady progress at the two, so definitely would enjoy seeing either Ian Clark or Alfred Payton or a person yet to be named in that position. Um, Before we go on to training camp invites, that's Waka Waka Wakanda's question, our friend Ralph Malbro, I pronounced it right this time, this is a fun one, so I want to spend a minute on this one, he says, "What is a YOLO, uh, you only live once, type trade Dell could realistically pull off before the season that would have blood in these Pelicans Twitter streets?" I'll start with Ollie.
3: Put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, blood, as in I'm upset, angry.
0: I I, I think what he's inferring is or that Dell just bets the farm, like three to four first-round picks. Salomon Hill, Alexis Agensa, maybe each one more to go out and get someone insane that has half of Pelican's nation ripping off their shirts in joyful glee and the other half, you know, just tearing blood and flesh from their cheeks.
3: You know, I don't think that guy exists, so I'm going to be a little more realistic and lower the uh, threshold, <laughs> the level of the player that he could acquire. And it's got to be somebody that's still kind of a legitimate starter in the league, but has his faults. And I'm looking honestly like a Jonathan Simmons. You got a Kent Bazemore. You gotta get some kind of wing with some kind of decent size that can do something really well. Well, like for instance,
0: That's no fun, Ollie. We need we need a bigger uh, name. You're an ass.
2: <laughs> um, I would say Press. I'll, I'll bail him out a little bit. I'd say like the one that would the kind of moves that would make me upset would be to package Not upset, so, it's the other. That's why I asked well, the no, question. It, the could blood, it, it could be, could be either. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. The, okay. okay. Would be to give up a lot and combine Solomon Hill and Agensa to get like a Damari Carroll or a Kent Bazemore or even an Evan Fournier, because I feel like taking on those salaries, because you're going to get – if you don't trade Solomon Hill, you're going to get off of him. He's going to be an expiring the next year, and is going to be gone. Um, but you have to also think about that Randall and Miritich are going to be expiring yeah. in the offseason. So to take on salaries like Carroll and Fournier or Bazemore – I think it, it's counterproductive, and I don't think those guys are that great, and I don't think they would move the needle that much for this team. I think I would rather have Eton Moore playing the three than those guys. Um, and so I think those were the, that would be the kind of move that I wouldn't like. Um, now, if he gave four first-round picks for uh, – Thomas Sutteransky, Thomas you know. I don't think I that's very happy what that. Ralph is. All right, is, then I'm, I've got one for you. Jimmy, wait. Jimmy Butler, okay. let's go Okay, there. that's a good one. All right,
3: there's a guy that's kind of, you know. Expiring contract. Minnesota Minnesota should trade him because it doesn't sound like he wants to stay there. There's been rumors he or, wants to join up with Kyrie Irving. Or Wiggins would be another one on the nope, team. Nope, nope. Give me Jimmy Butler. Wiggins. Well, I mean, we would want Butler, but if he went for Wiggins.
0: Or Kyrie Irving. Something where Dell Dems has to unload yes. everything just for mm-hmm. one season, one sample size, with the hope that, like in the Paul George trade, that player will resign, whether it be Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, something that would have Pelicans Nation ecstatic and furious and fearful at the same time. Another one that would make me mm-hmm. brutally angry.
2: That would kill me.
0: That would be devastating. I, I don't think that's realistic, but uh, I, I guess if you match those two salaries with more Moore, it, it is realistic.
3: Yeah. One that scares me is I, a name I've heard tossed around is Wesley Matthews. I think he's going to continue to be a shell of himself. Yeah. I don't want to take on his contract. Or Harrison yeah. Barnes. I hate Harrison Barnes. I think Harrison would be better. He would be
0: better than Wes Matthews. But He'd I be just a legitimate like small forward. He I don't think he can defend. He I think he's more of a four. And I have he's- to – he doesn't yeah. rebound really. I have to go back on what I said because obviously Oklahoma City doesn't want to take back any salary because they're so far over the cap. But they could they could unload those on a on a team with cap space or who's to say anyway. Well, it we're not doing, talking realistic. Yeah, anyway, it's, so, it's it's just so don't even bother. All me. right, our last question from Waka 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 Wakanda, and I did I think one too many Wakas. But uh, I thought Derek—he's uh, never enough walk. There's never at- enough walkas. N- he's asking who's gonna get the invite to train camp. But Ali will know. Uh, maybe Kevin will too, better than I do. How many players, in addition to the guys under contract, get the invites? But I did see some promising things out of Derek Willis. He looked super fluid. He was fast. He was athletic. Uh, DJ Hogg is somebody who didn't show us too much, but we're still hopeful just because of his size and his shooting stroke. But Kevin and I liked two finishes he had it under the rim. Where he was closely contested and found ways around him, he was he was it was it was promising finishes. Uh, Other than that, I know you're a fan of Siobhan Shields and some of his performances. Why don't you talk about how many players the Pelicans can bring to training camp in addition to their guaranteed guys, and who you think realistically from the squad could join them? Yeah, you can definitely go over the minimum,
3: uh, or I'm sorry, the maximum amount that's required by I think was it like the last day before the season starts of 15. I think you can bring up to uh, you can have up to 20 in training camp. I'd have to double-check because that's not a number I've had to look at for numerous amount of years. But let's just say it's 20. So, yeah, they can bring a lot of guys that they want to look at. And the two that I like, I'm surprised you said Derek Willis because, you know what, I thought in game one he looked like the biggest stiff out there. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but he just didn't look like he belonged on so many levels. But, you know what, today he was better. so I'm not going to shoot him down. But, no, I like Shavon Shavon Shields. Well, I honestly think he kind of gives off the vibe of being a perfect NBA glue guy. He's got that kind of perfect length and the athleticism. And seems to have the smarts and the instincts. He's six seven. He, he, I saw him have a couple explosions to the basket where he got up and under or over a defender. So he showed off that that athleticism right there. And of course the instincts. What I'm talking about is he knows when he should really box out, when he should get in the passing lane, where he should be. Uh, he comes up with a lot of steals, a lot of rebounds, a lot of assists, even. And so he's not scoring. He's not doing too much on that front. But you know he does everything else. And you need guys like that. We always thought Solomon Hill would kind of be able, maybe hopefully, to come in and provide that. But you know what? He's a poor rebounder. We hope Dante Cunningham would have been that guy. Same thing, and that guy just honestly was just, I don't know, I don't want to bash Dante too much, but he was definitely not what the Pelicans had hoped he would have become either. But besides uh, Shields, another guy I like. Honestly, I thought DJ Hogg, I thought he, he only played 14 minutes today, but you know what? He had two rebounds, two assists, two steals, and he shut off some hops. We're on some layup attempts. I know he missed, I think, his last one. Uh, but he made a couple of nice baskets, and he showed off what you, you want. He, he had the effort, the athleticism, and Kevin Han. I asked Kevin about Hanson about this after the game. Asked him why you know he hadn't played up until now, and Kevin told me it's simply because of opportunities. With Frank Jackson healthy, they were looking at other guys, but with him going down, only DJ Hogg is going to get a chance. And he was impressed by what he showed off. And I want to get more of him. Or get him more looks going forward because he honestly showed himself, or yeah, he basically showed himself well, and he deserves a bigger chance because he can do some things on the court.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think I agree with Hogg. I think he had a nice, hit uh, a couple of really nice finishes around the rim. He played with energy, and another guy that um, mainly just because of his position and you know, prac in practicing is uh, Cliff Alexander, who you know showed energy. I mean he's not a he's guy a that's beast gonna, today. Yeah, he's not a guy who's going to make an NBA roster, but he's the kind of guy you want in camp to, you know, to to body up against AD and and Randall and practice and you know, so those guys don't have to go against each other. Um and he showed that he can, you know, he's he tough got enough, after he it hold the game today. Yeah, and you he's aggressive that? and his his shots okay, uh he finishes okay around the rim. Um like I said, I don't think he's an NBA player, but he's a good camp body to have. Um, and then that's also what Summer League is here for, to look at guys on other rosters, you know, so um, there will be some other guys that get cut from other teams that they might like and bring in, you know, which we ha- we've seen. We watched what maybe, like, we watched the whole Pelicans game, obviously, and then we watched, like, three parts of three other games, mm-hmm. um, so... Uh, so I mean, guys if, we liked. If, if Blossom game <laughs> gets cut, that's, I'm going that's right wrap to him favorite. right away. That yeah, guy is, uh, if, he really doesn't make, them up. if he doesn't make the Spurs roster, he looked great in that game. He was super high energy, and he plays a small forward, which is, you know, obviously our biggest area of need. So I would definitely take a flyer on
0: on him. Last question. Ollie, what would it take? Or actually, I wanted to ask, I didn't see Bryant McIntosh out there today, the all-time leading assist leader for the Northwestern. I wanna say Wildcats, I should know that. Mm-hmm. Um but we'll we'll talk to that. Uh, uh, we'll talk about that another time. Obviously we've got two more uh, chances to watch him. But before I let you go, what would it take for Trevon Blewett? what would he have to do on Monday night for the Pelicans to sign him to a contract outright?
3: Hmm I mean that's hard to say because you don't want to say it's you know an off shooting night going to be the dictating factor, because everybody knows your shot's either going to be there or it's not, especially for shooters.
0: But if he scores 26 points again on 6 of 10 shooting from 3-point range, 10 of 14... There's no doubt. They they should have learned, because one name I forgot to mention besides Quinn Cook, Seth Seth Curry.
3: (laughs) You (laughs) got it. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a couple of drinks in now. So, anyways, Kevin's (laughs) the one that reminded me of him, and so look at what these guys... It may have taken them a little bit of time, but you know what? Other teams took a chance on these guys, and they were rewarded. So, I think what you kind of learned is that even though Summer League, you, you kind of have always been told, take it with a grain of salt, don't have too many expectations. We've even heard some of that already on social media today. We are talking about maybe we're getting too high on Trevon Blewett, but you know what? You got to be high about some guys and, and you've got to look at more than just the scoring and that's what I've been doing. That's why I described his ability to rebound, his savviness on the game. He is a four-year senior, senior and he reminds me of Malcolm Brogdon out there and making always a smart play. So he, he exhibits a lot more. So for me, Honestly, I think he he couldn't you know cost himself a roster spot. I really think honestly he's shown enough, especially if he's had the training camp that Kevin Hansen has talked about. He's done enough. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time. All right, uh, Kevin,
0: you got anything, Dad?
2: I would just like to um, ask you guys what I mean, especially you, Preston. Uh, it's your first time at summer leagues, it's like it's mine. Uh, yeah. What do you think about it so far? For me, it reminds me of sort of a music festival and with two stages like a big stage and a small stage that you bounce back and forth and you know pop in see part of this act and hurry up over to go see a little bit of that act and then there's a a really bad hot dog in there that was really terrible yeah and cheap <laughs> beer and then you see you know it's it's kind of cool cuz you're walking around and like if you go to music festivals a lot you'll see the bands sometimes walking around watching mm-hmm. other bands and you the, you walking around we see like Will Barton walking by us yeah. or you see know, El see Alfred Payton, you see coaches, you see scouts, and then you see all the other, you know, writers and, and stuff like that. So it feels like that to me, which is more of what I grew up going to and being involved in in the music scene. And now being more involved in the basketball scene, it, it kind of really reminded me of that sort of vibe. And I was just wondering what you, you thought know. of it.
0: Yeah, that was really good. I was going to say either New York or L.A. where there's so much to look at. And then, oh, there's a celebrity that just passed me um or like as a kid at toys r us when you walk down the first aisle and you get stuck there because there's something you just become infatuated with meanwhile there's 10 other aisles and that's kind of how i felt today we sat down on a game and i was like should we spend the entire the entire two and a half hours at this game or should we maybe do one half here and then one half out there or maybe we should just roam the halls and see all the talent agents that are out talking with yeah, each yeah. other and like we saw del demps out in the hallway, like looking for a soda on we his own. Alan just...
2: Houston, we saw, yeah. we saw Dante Exum, we
3: saw Will Barton, we saw.
2: Yeah, I mean, so there's so many great. We play- ran into Dame Alfred Lillard, Payton. Alfred Payton.
0: He was hanging
3: out with the coaching staff, by the way, guys. So that's good news. Dante He's Exum. He's getting to work.
0: Yeah, so it it really is Damian Lillard was there. Yes. So yeah, it's 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 the biggest party in town, or at least it feels that way to us. And I've never experienced anything like it. So there there is no way to do it all. <laughs> so it is really exciting. It's kind of like a choose your own adventure. Uh, so definitely enjoyed it definitely think we should come back next year Uh, we've gone on far longer than we should have especially in our current state we'll come back tomorrow
3: (laughs) i think so Uh,
0: that's it for now you guys uh stick back with us we'll be back here on monday night remember if you guys like what you're hearing even in our current state please there's an easy way to pay us back just retweet this subscribe to itunes or wherever you get your podcast from and please rate it as well Remember to follow Ali at Ali Cosell, Kevin at Kevin B for Bounce, and myself at Preston Ellis if you don't already. And for now, let's go Trevin Blewett and let's go Pals! We hope you've enjoyed listening to The Bird Calls on OTG and Nothing But Nut here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.
1: And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive.
0: Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah. Where did you get this? It's good stuff.
3: That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
1: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers discounts not available in all states or situations. And now a thought from Geico motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.
2: Some people just know bundling with Allstate means
1: big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at.